0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this Word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember... God is good. Man, all the time... Yes, yes. Today, I, what I want to do is, uh, as we get started here, I, I want to continue with where we're at. And um, is, if, is there any guest here? Um, anyone here for the first time? You're a guest and you are, are, are here today. And you're part, anyone? I'm not going to make you do anything. All right. Amen. I, I, know it, I know that's a scary part when you get to places like, I don't know, you know. So with that said, I'm going to ask you to come up. No, I'm just joking. I know I should... But uh, we just want to welcome um, guests. We want to welcome you as well, just for being here, and and for those that are 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 are, are and revisiting us and or whatnot, and 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 for new guests as well. We just want to kind of remind everyone what we're doing here. We've been in a whole month of prayer and fasting. We've dedicated February um, just to seek the Lord together um, and, and really just uh, go deep and see what it is, that, how God wants to lead us and direct us. And we've seen some beautiful things throughout this month. We've seen some beautiful things. We've heard some beautiful things throughout this month. Um, God is really doing something special. Through the month of February as we've been fasting throughout the weeks and we've been praying throughout the weeks every morning at 5 a.m. as it was shared in announcements from Monday through Friday, we're waking up early and we're getting on. And, and um, I, I, I believe in this, um, prayer is not something to pray for. You know the people that say, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to pray about that. Like the person that says, I need to pray whether I should be praying at 5 a.m. No, there's no need to pray whether you should be praying at 5 a.m. We're all called to pray, and especially if we're calling it as a unit, we should all be there at 5 a.m. praying. And I honor, and I thank, and I give God the glory for those 30 to 35 every single morning that are praying at 5 a.m. And I think it's such a beautiful thing what God is doing. If you have not joined, you have this week that you could jump on and say, you know what? I want to end the month strong. And maybe I've gone a couple times, maybe I haven't gone on all, but you know what, this week I'm going to make it to be there. And for some of you, you're losing sleep, but God is strengthening you, God is speaking to you. He's honoring that step that you're taking. Some of you have, have made some great sacrifices to jump on at 5 a.m. But this is what I pray and hope. I pray that you've created a discipline, that we are doing this long enough, that you create a discipline that when we if, when we stop it, that you will continue to be seeking the Lord first thing in the morning. Because I think that is vital for every single one of you. Yeah. That you're not just rolling out of your bed, hurrying up and getting dressed and rushing to rush hour and screaming at the car that just cut you off. But, be, but you have a pre- the presence of the Lord because you've actually thanked you, church, for allowing this discipline in my life to now seek him every single morning. Amen? Yeah. So we just welcome you in that. So today, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, we, we've been really geared or focused on, praying, on preaching every single Sunday this month on praying and fasting. Challenging um, ourselves to go more and what it looks like throughout this month and what it's been looking like. Today, I want to continue that. And today, I'm going to speak about prayer. And, and I know I've, been, I've spoken about prayer in the last few weeks, but um, maybe I'll just stick on prayer today where I won't go any other place. And if you're writing notes, write this down. Today's message is titled this. It's titled, Prayer, the Greater Work. You might be asking, well, what's the greatest work? What's, what's something that I could do that's great for the things of God, for the kingdom of God? What can I do for this church? How about if I say, Prayer is the Greater Work? One of the greatest things that you can do for your church, the greatest thing that you could do uh, for that person you love, a family member, that friend that's sitting next to you. The greatest, What can I do for you, pastor? What's the greatest thing I could do for you? The greatest thing you could do for me, for my family. The greatest thing that you could do for, for anyone. The greatest thing that you could do right now. May, maybe it's that call just to what? To get to that place where you're just in prayer. Where you're in prayer for that person, prayer for that circumstance, and you're just praying just to, to draw near to the Lord. There's many things that we can pray for. Prayer is not meant just for one thing. Prayer is not meant just to come before the presence of the Lord every morning at 5 a.m. and just tell the Lord everything that is wrong with your life. Amen? Amen. That's not what prayer is. You can do that if you want, but that's not what prayer is. Prayer is also what? You could spend time just giving Him thanks for everything. Being filled with gratitude. That could be a time of prayer. Prayer could be a time of intercession, a, a time of prayer for someone else where you could pray for someone else and say, you know what? I know this person ha- needs this. I know this person's going through this. I know this marriage, this. I know that brother. I know that sister. I know that kid. And you could pray. I love that in our, our, our we have like this little WhatsApp thing throughout this month and all that that we call um, Nest Morning Devotionals. And I love that, that it was said in there. I said, let's come in agreement and let's fast as we're, we're going to dedicate Wednesday. To, and we're going to fast for Claudia, our sister. We're going to believe for her. And then someone else. And, and we're going to also believe for Jackson, who's my son. We're going to believe for health over his life. And then the third person was like, and we're going to also pray for, for a senior, which is my, my old man. We're going to also pray for him. And I was, I, was, I was reading that. And it was encouraging because the body, the family was coming together and said, we are going to fast in unity and pray for these three individuals. You could do that when you pray. Prayer is so important. Prayer, the greater work. I hope that if you have no prayer life at all, that today you leave here saying, I'm going to dedicate myself from this moment on to have a prayer life. If if, if all you do is pray two minutes when you roll out of your bed, I pray that the Lord would do something that two minutes now becomes 20 minutes. And then you start to, I, I love TJ said this the other day. He says, man, we're starting to recognize that one hour is not enough. And it's true that 20 minutes, you're going to recognize, man, I need now an hour. And 20 minutes becomes an hour. And then you recognize an hour is not enough. And an hour becomes two hours. And I love that, that your life would just be a life full of prayer in your lunch break. What are you going to do for lunch? I'm just going to get into that place of prayer. That you constantly are living within in prayer. And you also publicly or you isolate yourself for a moment that you could just seek Him in prayer. That you would really discipline yourself to do that. Amen? And and I hope that this encourages you. This is to love you. It's not to bang you over the head and say you're doing things wrong. You're not really a Christian because you're not praying. I'm not saying that at all. That's not what we're doing here. If you pray for two minutes, I'm not saying that you're not saved and I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I am saying that there's greater glory for you though while you are on earth. There's more of heaven and experiencing heaven while you are on earth. Don't miss out on what you could experience. Don't miss out on what you could still experience on earth. Amen? I'm not trying to send any of you to hell. I'm trying to get us all to enjoy heaven. Amen? Even myself, obviously. I'm speaking to myself. I shared these two things before here. I'm almost sure I have. And I want to share it again. Martin Luther, I want to quote him for a moment. And Martin Luther says this, As is the business of tailors to make clothes and cobblers to make shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. So what do we do as Christians? Pray. No, but I know, but like, how do I get to start preaching? Pray. Yeah, but how do I become a missionary? Pray. Yeah, but how do I win souls for the kingdom? Pray. You need to set yourself to pray. A Christian's life needs to be in prayer. Because if not, there's no direction for you in what to preach. There's no direction for you in how to be a missionary. There's no direction for you on how to save someone's soul. It has to begin. It has to be that foundation. It's got to be rooted in that, in prayer. Amen. And that's what Martin Luther is saying. I love this story, and I repeat this story here often because I think it's a very powerful, powerful story. It's a true story. It's recorded, and um, and it's not like something of ancient times. So it's something that is believable, and the witnesses wrote about it. It talks about five young college students, five young college students, and they were spending a Sunday in London. So they went to hear the famous C.H. Spurgeon. They wanted to hear him preach. And while waiting for the doors to open, the students were greeted by a man. And the man asked these five young college students. He asked them, gentlemen, let me show you around. Would you like to see the heating plant of the church? They were not particularly interested, for it was a hot day in July in London. But they didn't want to offend the stranger, so they said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead. And they consented. And the young men were taken down a stairway. And a door was quietly opened, and their guide whispered, This is our healing, this is our heating plant. Surprised, the student saw 700 people bowed in prayer, seeking a blessing on the service that was soon to begin in the auditorium above. Softly closing the door, the gentleman then introduced himself. It was none other than Charles Spurgeon. I've shared this here many times Because I love this story, that Charles Spurgeon, he says that the reason why my ministry and why my preaching is successful is because every time I take the podium to preach beneath us, at this moment there were 700 brothers and sisters on their knees praying for what was about to be preached in the auditorium upstairs. He says that my, my preaching and all lays upon the prayers of those that are in intercession under your feet. They're below the ground and they're praying for you. They're not up here enjoying the songs. They're not up here listening to the message necessarily. But they're down there doing their ministry. It's amazing because so many people want a public ministry where eyes can see them. But Charles Spurgeon understood that the greatest ministry in this church are the ones you don't see. And they're the ones that are under the ground and they're praying for a mighty move of God right now in this gathering. That's a powerful thing. That's a powerful thing. I started to think about that. I said, those are the ones that are great in the kingdom of heaven. The ones that are great in the kingdom of heaven. They're the ones that don't want the limelight. They're the ones that don't want the stage or the platform. They're the ones that it's not about self and it's not about pleasing their own desires. And how come I'm not used? And how come they don't call on me? And when am I going to preach? And when am I going to say this? And when are they going to call on me? And how come pastor doesn't take me under here? And the, 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 no, but these are people. I know what I'm going to do for my church. I'm going to go under the floor and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray for revival to touch every single person that walks in. And Spurgeon understood that's the power of this church that people have set themselves to pray and because of that we've seen nothing but succession we have seen nothing but the glory of the lord over this house what's the christian's job the christian's job is to pray i would even dare to say this it's to pray before you preach pray before you speak pray before you do praying is our job Jesus will wake up every single morning and what happened? Where's Jesus? We've lost him. I can't find him. Did anyone see him? They're all talking to each other. None of the disciples can find Jesus. Little do they know that he went. He went to an isolated place up to the mountain by himself to what? To pray. To pray. I don't want to get too far the message, but at the end of Jesus' life, what was he telling you? Three of his closest men? Pray. Pray here while I'm over there. You pray right here. What is he teaching them at the end of his life? He's teaching them a great lesson. What? Pray. Pray towards the end of my ministry. Pray now towards the end of my life. We'll get into that story as we close later on. But this story of Charles Spurgeon, it reminds me of John James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, 16, it says this, the effective, everyone say effective Say fervent, so good. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The English standard says it this way. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Think about those words for a moment effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. And when it says man, it's man and woman. There avails much. And we believe, I want us all to know this, we believe in the sovereignty of God. In this church, we believe in the sovereignty of God. Do not get me wrong. God is sovereign 100%. We believe in that, in the power of God. But we can't look at prayer as this, as, oh, well, God is all-powerful. He is sovereign, right? He knows all things, so it doesn't really matter if I pray or not. That's not the heart and the attitude of a believer. Well, because God is sovereign, I really don't have to pray. Then you really don't know what the sovereignty of God is really even all about. You really don't even know what the heart of God is really all about. Well, if God knows all things, then why should I waste my time prayer? We believe in the power of prayer and what it does. I mean, you look at, the, you look at Moses, for example, he moves the heart of God in prayer. Wait, Lord. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek you, and I'll move your heart not to destroy these people. To move the heart. Can you imagine moving the heart of God in prayer? I I want to share one one quick thing. I'll give you some, some points here. I guess I didn't write it like this in my notes, but point number one, the power of prayer versus the power of the enemy. How many of you know that you have or you felt or how many of you have experienced that? Man, I don't know what it is. Not just on earth, people... But, but maybe in the spiritual realm where you recognize, like, man, I truly, I know I'm convinced I believe in what the Word of God, or maybe you don't know too much about that, but you just feel, I truly feel I am against powers against me, enemies against me. I feel like there's sometimes a force that comes against me, and sometimes it's difficult to do things, sometimes I feel a struggle in the spiritual People might call it all kinds of things, but I'm telling you, it's the spiritual realm, and and you feel all these things. Well, Paul does a great job in reminding us about this in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he tells the church, he says, Finally, my brethren, listen to these words, he says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He says to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The scheming plot, the twist of the devil. Here is Paul the apostle and as he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus, he's writing to us even here today as it's a reminder, hey, we need to be strong in the Lord. We need to be... Uh, we need to have the power of his might upon us and and, in the process of of being strong and in the power of his might what do we have to do in verse 11 he breaks it down for us and he says you need to put on the whole armor of God not just pieces of it you know today I didn't feel like putting on the helmet of salvation so I just put on the shoes of peace that's going to get you in danger you go to war in these days when swords are being swung in the battlefield and just put on your sandals and see how good it does without having your helmet as well when they give you one blow to your helmet, you, you'll see what, what's going to happen to you. You go and you say, well, today, you know what, I wore my helmet. Pastor, you should be so proud of me. Today I woke up. God, you should be so proud of me. Today I woke up and I wore the helmet, but I didn't put on the breastplate of righteousness, really. It's an incomplete man. It's an incomplete man. And this is what Paul was saying. Paul was basically saying, hey, in this world, in the, everyone say, in this world. Yeah. In this world, we need to make sure that we get this. We are complete in Jesus. We need to be complete men and women. Complete. Uh, Not just pieces of it, you know. Not just one here. It's complete. Take that for what it means. I don't think I have to give you analogies of what that is. Complete people. And Paul even says, so when you get dressed, make sure you what? You get dressed what? Completely. You don't just go outside and say, I wore my shirt today, and you put no bottoms on. That's... (laughs) It's a mockery. You're going to get fired. You go to work tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't do that. What are you going to take that literally? But, but you go to work tomorrow and you try that. See if they let you come back the next day. They're not going to let you. Why? Because you go to work what? You got to dress what? Complete. I mean, some of you don't understand the word complete. But that's a whole other conversation. I'll let my wife come up and preach that one day and she could talk about completeness. And <laughs> but you know what I mean. complete. Dress complete. Dress complete. So Paul says what? Dress complete. Put on the what? The whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the scheme. What does that mean? That devil is scheming. He is plotting. He is drawing out plans. To what? To destroy your life. To destroy your family. To destroy your marriage. To destroy your children. Do you know how much the enemy has tried to destroy this church? But what do we do? We stand against the destruction and the plans of the enemy. And we say we're dressed and we're ready for battle. We have the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shoes of peace. We, we put on the whole armor of God. And that's what Paul is saying. We put the whole armor of God that you would be able to withstand. Say, oh, my God, my family being attacked. Well, let's have a conversation and see if you're dressed for the attack. Oh, my God, my marriage is being attacked. Are you dressed? Oh, my God, my children are being attacked. Are you dressed? Oh, my God, my neighbor is, are you dressed with the whole armor of God? Man, I feel like Satan is really really attacking me lately. I feel like the enemy is coming against me strong. Are you dressed with the whole armor of God? And then he says in verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. There you go. If you're wrestling against flesh and blood, you're probably doing something wrong in your, in your Christian walk. You're not supposed to be fighting with each other. If you're fighting with one another, you're doing this life together wrong. If you come in to a brother's house, And you can't even look at that brother. Something is wrong with one of you. And I don't care if you get bothered or whatever. It's wrong and it's not godly and it's not the spirit of Christ. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't have time, especially during this age, to be fighting against flesh and blood. Do you think that this is the day, 2021, to spend our energy and our time to begin to fight with one another? If we're going to fight against anything, it needs to be against darkness. It needs to be against the false messages that are being presented in this world. It needs to be against the false ideas, the things that they're teaching in our schools, the things that they're passing in laws, the things that are being said all around the world. Those are the things that we need to fight against for the things that are holiness, godly, and the righteous things of God. I can't fight against someone that's going to be reigning with me in eternity. we We don't have time for that. We can't do that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So then what do we wrestle against, Paul? But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Are you wild yet? Paul is talking about another dimension. Paul is talking about something that is real. He's talking about spiritual beings that are alive around us in your family. Dark clouds that are what? That are dementing your family. And we're what? We're wrestling, we're fighting, we're battling against those things. Well, I don't know if I believe that. I'm I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. This is not about a theological or doctrinal debate. This is about Ephesians 6 saying, we wrestle against principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly high places. There is another world of the demonic, of darkness that exists, and it's confronting and it's trying to oppress the light. And they are not going to win. Verse thirteen. Therefore, you take up the whole armor of God. (laughs) What what did he say in verse eleven? Put on the whole armor of God. Verse thirteen. Therefore, you take on the whole armor of God. We're fighting against powers and principalities, wickedness, and heavenly high places. Therefore, because we're fighting against these things, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. In the evil day and having done all, stand, stand, stand. How many people have fallen in these days? Stand, stand, stand. Put on the whole armor and stand. The ones that will have the testimony to speak will be the ones that have stood. The ones that have stood. Stand. Everyone say, I'm called to stand. So beautiful. And then in verse 14 to 17... uh, For the sake of time, I won't get into it. But what he does is Paul begins to list the symbolic armor pieces that believers are to put on. Like I told you, and you should study this on your own in Ephesians 6, he begins to speak about the helmet. (coughs) He begins to speak about the sword and the breastplate and so on and so forth. And he goes down the body, up the body. And he begins to speak about every single armor piece and what it represents. And as he goes into this through verses 14 through 17, I want to skip to verse 18. In verse 18, look what Paul says after reading everything that I just read in Ephesians. He says this, praying at all times in the spirit. So you have the whole armor of God on, amen, but it doesn't just end there. Praying at all times in the spirit and with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert, be watchful is what he's saying there with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Do you see what Paul is saying there? Paul is saying not only are you dressed and dressed accordingly and fully, the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to withstand the things that the enemy throws your way, what darkness throws your way, but you could also remember this, and he says pray. How should you pray? He answers it very on point. He says pray what? At all times. But how can I just constantly be praying? He says, because it's not just a vocal prayer. It's also a prayer in the spirit. Pray at all times in the spirit. That means what? Man, this is so deep. That means that your physical man could be functioning in the things that it's called to do. You're flipping pancakes in the morning. You're making phone calls throughout the day. You're running errands. Your physical man is functioning, but your spiritual man is praying without ceasing. You pray, you pray in the spirit is what Paul is saying. Pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Keep alert, keep watchful with all perseverance. The call of this this work to prayer, this calling to prayer, it's a what? It's a calling of perseverance. Prayer, if you have not caught this yet, how many of my 5 a.m.ers have caught this? Prayer, what really, really touches on your perseverance. It builds perseverance. I don't know, I don't think a prayer is not my call. You've ever met someone like that? My calling is to be a prayer warrior. That's what I do. I pray. I'm like, that's what we should all do. But what we've done in the American church, Western Christianity, is we built a ministry and we've called it what? The prayer group. The prayer warriors. The intercessors. I'm not saying that's wrong. We have a prayer group that prays every Saturday at 9 a.m. How many are you? Four? That's crazy. Four. When in reality, what one hundred percent of the nest should what be intercessors, prayer warriors? That's what we do. It's not a group. It's not like oh yeah that, that that this section is 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 man they they just have a special anointing and grace over them in prayer. Biblically, you can't find that. What do you mean they have a special grace and anointing in prayer? We're we have a special grace and anointing in prayer. It's not just this group. What do we, what do, we do? Oh, so, so we excuse ourselves from praying because that's your job to always be praying while my job is to just live off those prayers. No. We are all called to prayer. Sometimes I like that whole intercessory stuff. I'm into all that stuff. Really, I'm into all that weird stuff. I love all that stuff. But like the whole like inter, I like all that. But at the end of the day, it freaks me out too deep inside. Like I like it. I do it. Yeah, let's do intercessory. But in the inside, I'm like we're all intercessors. And if we're not, then there's something wrong. We're all intercessors. We're all praying. We all should be praying. All right, amen. Praying at all times. In verse 18, Paul doesn't just call a, a special group in his church to be prayers of all time. He's writing this letter to the whole church. You're all called to pray at all times. It's all of us. I mean, you could join us at 9 a.m., But I want all of us to be people of prayer. Pray at all times with what? With all perseverance. Don't give up. Why? Don't give up. I'm going to get to this point eventually because you're going to see that you're going to pray for years. And sometimes you pray for one thing for many years and that one thing hasn't come to pass. Like, well, obviously, God doesn't hear my prayers. Yes, he does. But we just have to recognize that when we pray, it doesn't mean that it's automatic. When we pray, there's a faith that's always in his timing. And it's always according to his will. Sometimes we pray and we pray what? Our will. And we pray our our perspective and our will to be done. And we know the wordage and we know how to twist it so it could sound like really God's going to do it. But but it's God's will. It's God's will. It's God's timing. It's never our timing. So what are we to do? Just persevere in your prayer life. Prayer life. Just keep going. Pray for all the saints. Prayer is a weapon that is given to a believer. For what? To fight and to fight in what? In a spiritual warfare as Paul says it. If you have lived in this last year, you should know there is a spiritual warfare. There's spiritual warfare. And if you've come to the place to finally, yes, I, now I fully believe that there is a spiritual warfare going on, then prayer is your weapon. What, prayer, what weapon do I need for this war that I'm in? Prayer. You don't need to practice your fighting. You don't have to get um, license to get a gun. If you want to do that, that's cool. Go to the range. I'm not, I'm not against guns. I'm just saying. You don't have to take out your swords and your knives. You don't have to park your car and tell the guy to get out of the car. Your greatest weapon is a life of prayer. You don't have to buy a bulletproof vest. You don't have to pray and let the Holy Spirit lead us. Amen? Amen? People of the Spirit, pray at all times. Prayer is a weapon is what Paul is saying. Paul's letter here is to pray. It's a responsibility, a work that we're called. We're called. We're called to pray. You should write this down in your notes. I am called to pray. And if you want, in your little, in maybe quotations, parentheses, whatever you want to call it, then you could put, it's not just the intercessory group. We're called, I'm called. I'm called to pray. I'm called to pray. We have an enemy. We have what we know as a devil. We have devils and their armies that we're in constant battle with. And we need to be able to stand against them, fighting off the fiery darts, the schemes, putting on the armor of God. In reality, what is that? The intimacy with God. We need to put on the intimacies of God and pray at all times. And yes, it gets hard sometimes. I said sometimes, sometimes your, your prayers are not answered right away. Sometimes you don't feel his presence the way you know you have in the past. How many of you have prayed and you're like, man, I've been praying for like a month and I have not felt the presence of God in a long time? Sometimes it gets like that. Sometimes you're praying and it's a prayer in the valley. Like, man, I have not felt the presence of the Lord in a while. And I'm like, this is a beautiful moment to be in. Why? Because right there is where he's building your perseverance. Right there is where he's building the deep part of you. That wait a minute. Will you pray though you don't feel? Because why? Because this is now going to teach you that it's more than a feeling and it's more a call to obedience. And that's the reality of our prayer life. Our prayer life is not just so that we could get a goosebump or so the hairs behind our head, our neck could rise up. Our prayer life is not so that, oh, I could feel this energy. The prayer is not about that. The prayer is a life of obedience dedicated unto the Lord. And because of that, I'm going to pray whether I feel or don't feel. I'm going to pray because that's what I'm called to do. I've seen people do all kinds of things in prayer. In, in, <laughs> all right. Sometimes you feel that. The more you pray, the more you are afflicted. How many of you are like, every time I pray for something, I get more harassed? <laughs> every time I pray for something, I feel like, I feel like greater things, uh, bigger things start to happen. I'm like, oh, that's good. Yeah. That means that God hears you and even the enemy hears you. <laughs> and they want to stop your prayer. The enemy wants to stop your prayer life. That's good. Keep on praying through that affliction. Keep on praying through that hardship. Keep on praying through that, through that difficulty. Keep on praying. Why should I keep praying? Because it's your calling. It's the greater work. Amen? I hope you could relate to some of these. I'm sure I just mentioned like three or four, but there's so much more. But Paul says what? You pray. And you pray with all perseverance, meaning you don't stop. You, you don't put it off as if it's not needed in your faith walk anymore. You pray at all times with all perseverance. You have an enemy that wants to what? He wants to destroy You, he wants to destroy the work of Christ, he wants to pollute everything that stands for the truth of his word, the truth of God. So, pray, pray, and you pray for the saints. Why do we have to pray for each other? Why do we have to pray for the saints? We just opened up this word for what praying over Lucy, praying over Sophie's family, praying over Vanessa, her cousin. Why we're praying for the saints. We pray for them because many of them are struggling too. Many of you, how many of you, do not raise your hand, please, but if you want to, but many of you in here are struggling. And if I were to say, come up here right now, every single one of you, if if I had the mic, right, share your struggle right now. I, I wonder if we would ever leave here. Every single one of you has a struggle. So what do we do? We pray because we're struggling. Some of us are struggling. Some of us are being persecuted, man, by our own families, by friends, by our very own workplaces, But we powerfully pray, the tongue twister, powerfully pray against a powerful enemy. And we see that this powerful enemy has no power (laughs) under our prayers. He's actually weak before the prayers lifted unto God. Prayer seems like it's such a hassle at times or it seems like it can be such a hassle to me. How many of you ever said, ah, prayer sometimes is just so hard. It's hard. It's a hassle. And it's, I just can't do it. And, I re, and, and, and many times when I'm at that place, I recognize, wait a minute, that's because I've allowed it to be about me and not about Him. No wonder prayer is such a hassle for me because it's about me. And i stopped making it about Him. Our crying out to Him is from deep within. Our crying out, our prayer life is from the deep parts within. It's in spirit and in truth, the Scripture says. The spirit and truth, as God is spirit, and he's seeking for such a people to worship him. What, is this, what does this tell us in John chapter 4? It's telling us that prayer is intimate. I'm going to read the scripture to you actually. I wasn't going to read it but I am. In, in John chapter 4 verse 23 and 24. John writes in, in this book. It's written this. It says but the time is coming indeed. It's here now. Right now. Right here present before us. When true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. And the father is looking for those who worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's an intimate call that we're called to, prayer and worship. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of devotion. It becomes about him. It's not necessarily about us as much as when we pray. Trust me, I'm not talking to any of you. I am really talking to myself. We, we want to make it about ourselves. So my second point is this. Pray at all times, really. I, I literally put a question mark in my notes. Pray at all times, Paul? Really? Like, pray at all times? You want me to be a weirdo? Praying at all times? In Romans chapter 12, Paul gives an insight of some Christian disciplines. You should read Romans chapter 12. I'm picking on verse 9 through 21. And in verses 9 through 21, he begins to speak about these Christian disciplines. And the English Standard actually calls this section... In Romans 12, 9 through 21, it calls it the marks, the marks of a true Christian. Can you imagine that? So what does a true Christian look like? The English standard decided to say, well, these are the marks of the true Christian. This is the fruit of a true Christian. This is what a true Christian looks like. So what, what is it, for the sake of time, I won't get into all of it. So what is some of the things that Paul writes in Romans chapter 12? He talks about let love be genuine. How many of you would agree and say that's a mark of a true Christian? Let, love, let your love be genuine. You know what that means, right? Unconditional, not with a condition. I'll love you, but will you in return do this back for me? Do love with what? Genuous. genuine, Genuine love. He goes on to talk about hate what is evil. I would say that's a mark of a true Christian. Hate evil. Be fervent in spirit. It says, this is a good one. Ready? I'm going to test you guys here. Ready? Bless those who persecute you. Yes. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine blessing someone that, per- Ma- remember that day when Max was here, Pastor Max was here? And I, I forgot the story. God, I'm going to massacre. I- if you're close to me, you know I'm really bad at telling stories unless I write them down. But he said something about someone stealing money. And he went to the house. I think he stole, like, what, $500? And he went to the house. And he knocked and he goes, hey, I see you needed money, man. Here's, like, $500 more." Like, like he, he didn't ring the doorbell and say, as soon as he said, hello, and just punch him and lay him out. He just says, if you stole from me, you must really need it. Yeah. So what, what is that? That's blessing those who persecute you. It's a funny way of doing it, but man, it worked. Live in harmony, it says. Paul talks about living in harmony with each other. These are all good traits. These are all good things that we are to have. But, in verse 12, he says to what? Rejoice. Rejoice in hope. How many of you know you have a hope? How many of you know that even Hebrews and all over scripture, hope is answered, hope is defined, hope is Jesus Christ, our hope is in Christ, he's the anchor of our soul, we have a hope and the hope's name is Jesus, we know that right? So we rejoice in Jesus, we rejoice in hope, but everything seems hopeless, not us, we are in hope. We are in Christ. Christ is not just in us, but we are also in Christ. We rejoice in hope. We are. He says in verse 12, be patient in tribulation. And then I love this. He puts this right in the list of things. Be constant in prayer. My God, Paul, drop the prayer. I can't. It's what you're called to do, church. Be constant in prayer. Verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hostility. Man, be, be constant in these things. I, I like that word constant. In the Greek, it means something like this. Persevere. <laughs> Persevere. So he used a different word. Persevere in prayer. Constant in prayer. Another way that you could define this is this. Be diligent in your prayer. When we look at prayer, it's something that we are to discipline ourselves in. You might agree and admit that your prayer life is in desperate need to, to grow and to get better. we are living in an age and a time if there's anything that we should be doing during this moment is to pray and my hope today and it starts with me it starts with me is that we would be into this message and, and really see the challenge that God has given us but that there would be an acceleration a growth of prayer in our lives and that we would see change a progressive a maturing in our prayer life. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, there's the famous scripture from Paul, again, to the church of Thessalonica. He says what? Pray without ceasing. It deals, this passage of praying without ceasing, this passage of constant and diligent in prayer, what that deals with, it deals with the attitude that the believer is to have. One of constant devotion, one of constant fellowship with the Lord, that we are aware and desire To be in His presence each day. Seriously, how many of you outside of today have been in the presence of the Lord outside of today? Think about that. How many of you have really cried or prayed or worshipped the Lord outside of today? Could the Lord be challenging of saying, do not any longer let Sunday be the only day that you worship me. Do not let Sunday be the only day that you get into my word. Do not let Sunday be the only day that you actually bow your head, close your head, whatever. Do not let Sunday be the only day. You are called to constant devotion and fellowship with God. When? Every single moment of your life. Pray at all times. Really, really. At all times. In Daniel chapter 6, we see an awesome story. One that we, you may know of, uh, a very known story. King Darius, is, 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 is the, he signs a law. In Daniel chapter 6, and as he signs this law, it's a a law that is it covers 30 days. And he passed this law that for 30 days, no one is to pray to any God. I mean, wow, did he really get full of himself? Did he really listen to the wrong voices? You know what you should do, Darius? You should pass a law for 30 days and no one's able to pray to any God, just you. You know what? That's a great idea. I would love to be God for 30 days. Can you imagine that? So for 30 days, he says, no one is able to pray to any god but to me, to King Darius. So Daniel was one of his men. And Daniel hears about this law that he just put into place. And I like this because, <clears throat> because it really shows us that when laws are being given to us that are outside of his word, we obey his word before we obey the laws of men. And I love that about this passage. There comes a moment in our life, like, I get it, you're law, and I have, to my, I have to respect my authority. But in this moment, you've gone a little too far, and you've what? You've come against the word of the Lord. So, as much as you are authority, I can't come under you. And that's what happens in Daniel's life. He's given this great position among Darius' men. Verse 3 says that the reason why he's given this great position, of Amongst the king's men. Because David had, um, Daniel had an excellent spirit. Verse 3 says there was an excellent spirit in Daniel. So he hears about this decree. Again, for your notes, this is all found in the 6th chapter of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. You could study and read it. It's a true story. And he hears about this decree. And he goes home and he says, what do I do? <laughs> Actually, he doesn't say that. But what do I do, you know? 30 days I can't pray to my God. 30 days I can't cry out to the Lord. So Daniel goes home and what he says is, well, you know what? I'm, I understand King Darius passed that law, but, but I'm sorry to tell him and to anyone that wants to sneak up on me. I'm not going to obey that law. So he goes home and he doesn't close his windows with his windows open wide. There's a work and a process for them to go to the top part of the windows, the way those homes were built, to Look into Daniel's house. I mean, talk about peeping toms here. And as they're looking into Daniel's house, what do they see? They see Daniel on his knees and he prays three times a day. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm used to, as it was custom since the early days, Scripture says, as it was his custom since the early days, I'm going to continue to pray three times a day. I don't care what they say. Or what King Darius says, I'm going to continue to seek my Lord. (laughs) Wow. Talk about his prayer life being challenged. How many of you have had your prayer life challenged? But not like that. This guy could be executed and killed if he's caught. Well, guess what happens to him? He gets caught. Where does he get executed at? Or what do they try to execute him at? Does anyone know Daniel's story? They throw him in a den of lions. What an execution that is. I mean, man, just put a bullet on him me come ahead off with a sword, a den den of lions. But I love that in the midst of the lion, it's like the lion of Judah stepped in and closed up all the other lions' mouths and said, nah. First of all, see, the world system was not going to conform that which was transformed by the renewing of your mind. Daniel's mind was renewed and it was not going to be transformed and conformed to the system of the world that he was living in listen to what i wrote here his mind was made up i wonder if your mind is made up he was going to pray and he was going to pray at all times his attitude was not going to change for anyone he had one desire you should write this in the note in your notes i have one desire daniel had one desire and it's this you'll have to kill me because i long to pray and to be in the presence of god You'll have to kill me, but I'm not going to stop praying and seeking him. See, prayer for Daniel, listen to this, had more value than life. Prayer for Daniel had more value than living. He says, if it costs me to die, then amen, but I'm not going to stop praying. To pray at all times, listen, was not an option for him. It was a relationship, it was intimacy with the Lord, and he was not going to stop. That's first off. Second, as it was custom in his early days. It shows us since Daniel's early days, he was in constant prayer. He was diligent. He persevered through the good days and through the dark days. And no one and nothing was going to take prayer away from Daniel's life. So the only challenge that I could ask myself in you is this. Do we see prayer in this way? Is prayer the greater work in you? I feel like I'm called to serve in this church. Awesome. Begin my prayer. You should start doing that. Just begin by prayer. Begin by prayer. Begin by prayer. My last point, not my end point. it's, It's not my ending point, but it's my last point. It's this. Some pray while others sleep. In Matthew 26, we see Jesus moments before his arrest as he prays in Gethsemane. And it tells us, He was sorrowful, and he was troubled, and he takes three of what seemed to be his closest disciples, some of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. Yes, he had 12, but there was three that he was really close to, and he brings them in, and he prays in Gethsemane, and he's troubled, and he's he's sorrowed, and he says to them, I want you to watch and pray as I go over there and pray to the Father. And about three times he comes back to check up on his boys. Three times he comes and checks up on his friends. And every time Jesus comes back to check up on Peter, James, and John, he sees that they've fallen asleep. And something that he tells them in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says this, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's such a powerful statement. Watch and pray that you enter temptation. Your, your watchfulness and your prayer life will, will, will help you in temptation. Why? Because you're in constant prayer and you're in constant watchful. You already see temptation on its way before it even gets there. So when it gets there, you're already prepared to confront it. And it does not confront you as a surprise. And you say, how come you don't get surprised when temptations come? Oh, because I'm watchful and I'm prayerful. The ones that get caught by surprise are the ones that are not watchful and prayerful. There's a reason why the Lord tells his disciples, be watchful and prayerful. Why? Because there's temptations. And if you're not watchful and you're not prayerful, the temptations are going to devour you. If you know anyone that has been devoured by a temptation and they were to be really honest with their life, they will tell you that they stopped being watchful and they stopped being prayerful. But the prayerful life and the watchful life sees the temptation from a distance and says, I see it coming and little do they know that i'm ready for them because why i'm in prayer and i'm watching the flesh is weak how many of you could say what are you that strong like how many of you could say man my flesh is weak because you can know that you're a weak person i am a weak person but i know that inside of this weak body inside of this body there's a there's a spirit man that wants and longs there's a spirit man that is willing So I got to feed the spirit man who's willing because the flesh is weak. So what do I do? I live in prayer and I'm watchful so that the spirit man could what? Could conquer the fleshful man. Amen? If you're in your life right now and the fleshful man is destroying the spirit man, it is because you're feeding the wrong monster. You're feeding the wrong beast. Get out of that cage and begin to feed the good food to the spirit man because the spirit man is willing to take you to places that the the fleshful man can never take you. The fleshful man will take you to your death. The spirit man will take you to the greater glories of God. I got to attend the spirit man. I got to be watchful and prayerful. Amen? I got to get going here. A simple command, a simple request. Just support me right now, boys. Peter, James, and John, just support me. Come on. Just watch and pray with me. I'm being pressed. I'm troubled. Can't you see? Out of my pores is blood. Oh, I'm going through it. I'm being pressed. I'm troubled. I've reached the end of my life here on earth, my ministry. So just support me. Be watchful with me. Please be aware. Aware me when they get here, when the enemy comes. Temptation is coming. Prepare me. Aware me when they get here. I just want, I just need someone by my side. I need someone to support, to endure with me, to maintain with me in prayer. Have you ever felt like you needed someone like that in your life? I just need someone. I just need someone to pray. And you got to reach out to that person and pray with them. Hey, I need prayer right now. Are you willing to pray with me? Most of the times you'll find a brother, you'll find a sister that will say, absolutely, right now let's come and pray about that. I just need your support. I just need you to endure with me. I need you to support. What does support mean? I need you to bear or hold up to serve as a foundation for me. I need you to sustain or withstand. I need you to undergo, endure, especially with patience, submission, tolerate, sustain, to maintain. All these words mean endure, support. And pray that you are not tempted, he tells them. Tempted of what, Jesus? That in your quickness to fall asleep... Because if you fall asleep, Peter, if you fall asleep, James and John, you fail in your responsibility to support, to endure, and to maintain in me. Don't fall asleep, remain in me. Don't fall asleep, remain in me. How many of you know that in the book of John it says that we are the world? We remain in Jesus. We remain, the branches, and it talks about all that in the vineyard. We remain. And I believe Christ is saying the same thing to us today. Remain. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul tells us to be watchful, to stand firm in the faith, to be strong, watchful, watchmen, aware of the times, preach Jesus, call men to repent, be safe, for the kingdom of God is at hand. But pray, pray, pray in the midst of all of this. Prayer is mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. Prayer is so important. All right, I'm going to close up in two minutes. Worship team can start coming up. Now is my ending. Prayer is so important, which is why I believe it's one of the hardest and the most neglected things in a believer's life. If I were to say, how's your prayer life, how many of you would be honest and say, I, I really don't do good? Starting with me, right? Let's go around the room. I could be better in my prayer. I could really pray without, I could really pray within, I could just, I could really just hold myself accountable to more of this. We should work on our prayer. Christ is still asking for the endurance of his people, and there's a responsibility given to us to so be careful that we're not tempted by sleep, by laziness, Listen, by lukewarmness. Pray. Everyone say pray. How many of us can sense that Christ's broken life, he was there in Gethsemane, broken for the souls that are perishing, those that are going to hell? hurt for the ones that defile his name and and, and defile holiness and tears for the world, and tears for all of creation that he created to be light and to give him glory. Yet, yet they've been deceived. Many have been darkened. Many have shamed the name of Jesus Christ today in 2021. How many can sense Christ in this way? That while the church whose purpose is to maintain and endure in him, to bring glory to his name, declare the gospel, live in sanctification and holiness, but yet we've given into temptation and maybe many of the church has fallen asleep. How many of you could say it's time to wake up and pray? Christ is speaking this today. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Surpass as we end. Surpass. Surpass wherever your current prayer life is today, and grow and mature in prayer. He knew it then and he knows it now that the spirit is indeed is willing, but that the flesh is weak. And our spirit is saying, yes, I'm willing, but we know well that our flesh is weak. And we have a responsibility in Christ and he's given us his people to pray. I I end with two quotes. The first one is Oswald Chambers. Actually, they both are from Oswald Chambers. And he says this, the battle of prayer is against two things. In, earth, in earthlies, wandering thoughts and lack of intimacy with God's character. As revealed in his word, neither can be cured at once, but they, became, they can be cured by discipline. I've talked to so many people who want to do some gr- many great things and great things for the Lord. And maybe you're here today, like, I want to do great things for God. I really do. I feel it inside of me. My advice is that you don't wait to do great things for the Lord, but that you start today by prayer. You start today By praying. We falsely defined what great things are. So many people want to be recognized or maybe want to be on TV or have a flourishing ministry or public ministry even. Maybe you want to be called to great things so that people could see. But really, maybe you've been called for great things that no one will see. A ministry of prayer which we need to define as God's call for all of us as followers. Oswald Chambers, the last quote is this. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. So Lord, if I want to do a great work for you, I need to understand that I come in prayer because prayer is the greater work, not the works that I thought they are. So I want you just right there where you're at just to join me in prayer as we close off. Lord, we come before you because we recognize right now that prayer is the greater work. We understand what Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 6. I am getting dressed and I am to put on the whole armor of God. But as I do that, Lord God, I need to pray constantly. I need to pray without ceasing. I need to pray in the spirit. My life is to be one of prayer. My life is to really be moved in prayer. Maybe I'm here today and I feel all kinds of ways. I'm dry, I'm far away, I'm weary. And today I hear your voice. Today I learn your word and I recognize that you're calling me to truly, genuinely pray and to work on my prayer, to really work on communicating and speaking to you, devoted to you, my intimacy, relationship with you. So Lord, I pray right now over this house. I pray for everyone that's here, whether they're a guest or whether they're of this house, those that are watching us right now. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would begin to rise up that you would begin to stir within them and that every single one of us would be lifted up at this moment and that we would be men, women people of prayer and that we would pray in all things for all things and that prayer would be that Lord God which continues to move us in the sanctification and the holiness of God that before we could ever do a greater work that we would understand that prayer is the greatest work that there are many great things that we can do but it must start at the place of prayer because Lord we've seen in our lives that we could go forward but then what? we give up and we don't persevere we let the troubles of life to conquer us and we just throw in the towel many have started a race who are no longer even running it but Lord we don't want to start it to stop running it as we teach here Lord we want to run it as your scripture teaches to finish the race well and Lord God, I want to be a person of prayer because if my prayer is not growing, if my prayer is not that foundation, then how will I ever be able to, uh, to overcome in the other works that you have for me? In the other things that you may want me to do? If I myself cannot put myself into a place of prayer, if I can't persevere in prayer, how can I persevere in preaching? If I can't persevere in prayer, how can I persevere in, and you can fill in your blank. So Lord, for me to persevere in different areas of my life, here I am, recognizing that through this month of prayer and fasting, as we set apart this month, that Lord, you would explode. That you would put something in us that would explode our prayer life. And that we would never be the same. And that prayer would be something that we do, the greater work in us for the rest of our lives we say yes over that we say yes Lord we say yes Lord right there where you're at can you just stand with me and as you stand with me and we close this is what I would love for you to do I know I just prayed over you but what I would love for you to do we'll sing this one song and as we sing this song I'm not even asking you to sing it as they sing this song over you this is what I would love I want you right there just to meditate, right there where you're at, just to speak to the Lord right there, and really pray, and really pray about your prayer life. Think about your prayer life. Cry out about your prayer life. Make a commitment right now about your prayer life, and let that be what drives you forward from this moment on. So right now as we sing, can you begin? To enter that place of prayer. Don't hold back. Just pray. Just cry out. And let the Lord do that greater work in you. Prayer. The greater work. Come on, let's give that to him.